All right, if we start to draw those chats to a close. Great stuff. Good evening. Um, You're allowed to respond to that one. Good evening. Very good. My name's uh, Dan. I'm uh, what what you could call an occasional preacher here at St. Mark's, and it's amazing to be here tonight. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me Um, so far. It's been great. (laughs) uh, If you have a Bible, why don't you uh, turn to page uh, 1065 and find John chapter 3. If you're missing a Bible, just put a hand up and uh, and the vicar's wife's going to personally deliver one to your your seat. Uh, We're looking at at John chapter 3, verses 1 to 16. And, um, and it's part of this series we're looking at uh, at the moment called Encounters with Jesus. And, uh, and it's our prayer um, that as we look at all these different encounters with Jesus, that we ourselves might actually have an encounter with Jesus. John chapter 3, uh, and starting at verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, uh, some, some famous words of Jesus uh, in this passage tonight. And he, he, uh, he says in there, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And he's using this, this imagery of birth um, to describe salvation, to describe coming into a relationship with God. Uh, and two years ago, I, I actually I witnessed a human birth. Um, it was the birth of my daughter. And um, I'll spare you the details. Um, don't worry. I did, 
I have got a PowerPoint, but there are no images uh, still or, or moving, in case anyone's as squeamish as I am. Because actually I've been reflecting a little bit this week on, on that experience and on, on, um, on birth and what that means in a, in a physical sense, I guess, from, from experience. But then, uh, again, what Jesus may, some of the things Jesus may have been uh, getting at if we start to think of, of spiritual rebirth. So the first thing I noticed is, is something very personal, something very intimate. There's just this incredible bond that you can see almost instantly between the baby uh, and its mother. Uh, and to some extent, I think the father as well, just in, in going through that process, it's something uh, very personal. The second thing is that it's involved. Okay? It's, it's all hands on deck in that moment. It's not something passive. Thirdly, it's something uh, miraculous. There's just something miraculous about the birth of a child. And, uh, and at this point in my research, I turned, I turned to Google because I wanted to find uh, a really inspirational quote about the miracle of childbirth. Because there must be thousands, right? So uh, this is something I found. William, William Blake uh, said, My mother groaned, my father wept, into the dangerous world I leapt. That wasn't quite what I was after. Uh, the next thing I came across was a quote from Gracie Allen, who said, When I was born, I was so surprised I didn't talk for a year and a half. <laughs> and at that point, I gave up my, uh, uh, my search for an inspirational quote. We don't have one, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> but trust me, if you, haven't, if you haven't seen it, there's something miraculous about a child being born. And lastly, uh, the last just little observation is that it's something life-changing for everyone involved. Uh, and I, that's just something I, I share as kind of by way of introduction, really, as we're thinking about what does it mean to be born again, to be born of the Spirit, to begin a relationship with God. I wonder, has this uh, been your experience do you want it to be something, something personal, intimate, something involved, hands-on, something miraculous, and something life-changing? And so let's, uh, let's turn to the passage, and um, let's look at a little bit, to begin with, at this guy, Nicodemus. And at this point, I just, um, I apologize, I just need to get something else uh, off my chest. When I was, when I was 11 years old, uh, I bought my first ever CD. It was a, a CD single, and it was this one. Uh, it was by an, uh, uh, an artist called Chuckademus and Pliers. Has anyone ever heard of Chuckademus and Pliers? Two, yes, several people. Okay, quite an obscure early 90s rap um, duo. And, and the problem I have is now, every time I hear the name Nicodemus, I can't not think of Chuckademus because of the similarity there and the alliteration. So if, uh, if I do say Chuckademus, I mean Nicodemus from now on. From this point on, I'm not going to mention Chuckademus. We're talking about Nicodemus, who was... We'll have the next slide. It's a more helpful image, okay? 
Nicodemus. Uh, and he was a, a, a man of the Pharisees, the, probably the strictest religious group at the time. And he was a member of the ruling council. And verse 1 tells us that he came to Jesus at night. Now that may, I guess, have been because he didn't want his sort of colleagues to know about this. Maybe it was kind of the cover of, of darkness. Maybe there was some fear there. I don't know. Maybe it was simply that he, he just genuinely wanted some time with Jesus. And Jesus was so busy uh, during the day that he, that was the only time he could catch him. I don't know. But he was a Pharisee, we know that. He was in the, in the ruling council. He would have had some good understanding from studying the scriptures about the kingdom of God, that it was something that would be ruled by God, it would be eventually restored on earth, it would incorporate God's people. But Nicodemus believed it was all about being a Jew, something that you were born into. And Jesus challenges that whole mindset. He taught Nicodemus that, yes, Israel was a chosen people, but it was chosen to be a vehicle of God's message to the world, not simply to be the only beneficiaries of that, that relationship. So Jesus shocks this devout religious man by saying, that the kingdom would come to the whole world and not just the Jews. And if that wasn't enough, that Nicodemus himself wouldn't actually get to be part of it unless he was personally born again. You see, it's not about your earthly birth. It's not just for one group or for one nation. The kingdom of God isn't nationalistic or ethnic. Jesus here makes it so personal. You need to be born again to see it and to be part of it. For me, I was born into a family where my dad was a vicar. And actually, his dad was a vicar. And his dad was a vicar. The previous seven generations of my family on my father's side have all been vicars. That isn't what makes me a Christian. That doesn't give me any more right to enter the kingdom of God than someone who's born into a family of Muslims or staunch atheists or agnostics. All of us have the potential to be born again into a relationship with God through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit. Jesus says uh, to see the kingdom, you must be born of uh, water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. God's kingdom, let's remember this. It isn't restricted to the sort of white middle classes of the, the Church of England. God so loved the whole world. Everyone. He has this immense love for everyone. And the entry requirements of the kingdom are repentance and spiritual rebirth. And I was wondering what became of, of Nicodemus after this, this encounter with Jesus. And there are two other references uh, to Nicodemus, the same guy, later in the book of John. One is in verse uh, 50 of chapter 7, 
where uh, at that point in the story, the Pharisees are trying to uh, get hold of Jesus and, and execute him, basically. And, and Nicodemus is the one who stands up uh, for Jesus amongst his peers and, and sort of tries to challenge them, tries to, tries to say, surely we should give him more of a fair trial than this. A later reference, John uh, ch- chapter 19 and verse 38. Do flick to it if you're, uh, if, if you're quick. John 19 and verse 38 says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. So here he is, the same guy, this, uh, this religious guy that seems to have got it so wrong. Uh, a bit further on in time, and he's volunteering to help respectfully bury the body of Jesus. They had to ask the Romans for the body, otherwise it would have just been left exposed in public. That was the custom to anyone who'd been executed. And Nicodemus chose to stand alongside Joseph of Arimathea in that difficult moment. He risked his reputation. He donated uh, these extremely expensive balms out of respect. Surely this is uh, a sign that he'd had his life turned around from this encounter with Jesus. Turning back to chapter 3 and verse 8, Jesus says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And the, the Greek word here translated as spirit can also be translated as, as wind uh, and breath. Kind of wind, breath, spirit. It's all this uh, imagery of, of, of the Holy Spirit. And when we're born again, when someone becomes a Christian, we can't give birth to ourselves. The Spirit gives birth to a new spirit in us. It's God's work. And he moves where he wants to move. We can't see the Holy Spirit, just like we can't see the wind. But we can see the effect of the Holy Spirit. The reality of the Holy Spirit living in a person is evidenced by the effect of the Spirit on that person's life. My experience of of being born again, of being in relationship uh, with God, is that uh, it's begun a process of kind of having my eyes open to, to recognize and see the effect of the Holy Spirit. The Bible uh, talks elsewhere about having scales removed from our eyes. In a sense, uh, in that moment where we're saved, we see everything in a new dimension. Because we've been born of the Holy Spirit. And we're beginning that process of being filled constantly. 
In verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. And that, uh, that plural there, the we, uh, is a bit interesting. Because as far as I know, it's just Jesus and Nicodemus talking. Uh, but if we look back to, I think, verse 1 at the start, Nicodemus says, we know that you are a, a teacher sent from God. So that, he uses that same word, we. He doesn't, he doesn't choose to say, I know. He says, we know. And I guess in that, in that way, you can see Nicodemus is talking probably about we, as in me and the guys from the, the ruling council. We know that you're a teacher sent by God. And Jesus' reply that we, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we've seen. I believe that's the we of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus in there is conveying that uh, actually he's not just a teacher sent by God. He is God. Our God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus speaks with authority about heaven because he has been there. He's come from there, and he's going back there. Verse 13, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus used this story that would have been very familiar to Nicodemus the Pharisee. The Israelites in that time were wandering in the desert. And they were being attacked by a plague of snakes. God provides a remedy for the poisonous snake bites. He tells Moses to hold up a a pole way above the earth with a bronze snake on the top. And anyone who'd been bitten should look up to this, uh, this, this snake statue lifted above the earth and believe that they would be healed. And people were healed. Salvation happens when we look up to Jesus. It's easy for us to see uh, the link there, isn't it? As Jesus on the cross is physically lifted above, above the earth. And salvation comes when we come to the cross, when we look uh, at what Jesus has done. Moving on to verse 16, that famous verse. For God so loved the world. He so loves us. He so loves you. You're part of that. That love. I've just been struck uh, this week again by the unconditional love of the Father God. Alongside, um, alongside trying to, to prepare um, for this, I've been uh, spending a lot of time with my daughter, little Isabel, because uh, Sarah, my wife, uh, was away this week. Uh, with work, so I just had a lot more one-to-one time with her than I would have done, and I'll, I'll try and sort of spare you the kind of doting dad part, but it, just, just to say through it, I just, I just realized how much I love her, how much I love spending time with her, how much I love it when uh, she will grab my face with both hands and turn it to her so that, so that she's got my full attention, and she'll just smile and say, hello, daddy. Um, it's just amazing. And, and through it, I just think God has been reminding me that's something of how he feels about, about me. And I want to say to you, that's something of how he feels uh, towards you, 
today. There's nothing that you could do to make him love you any more, any less than he already does. He loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He likes you. And uh, 750 years before this story, before Jesus came to the planet to solve the sin problem, God's unconditional love shows itself through a young man called Hosea. He was a prophet and he lived out his prophecy. And quite often these Old Testament prophets were given quite unusual uh, and peculiar assignments to live out in order to uh, show people something of what God is communicating. And, and Hosea's peculiar assignment was to marry a prostitute. So he marries Goma. You can read about it in the first three chapters of, of Hosea in the Old Testament. And Hosea and Goma have three children together, and the marriage seems to be going well until one morning he wakes up and Goma is gone. She has left him. He's a single dad with three kids. He's arguably one of the most famous people in Israel at the time. This is quite embarrassing. You can imagine him thinking to himself, I'm supposed to be a beacon of hope to the people of Israel, and I can't even keep my wife at home. This is difficult. And God comes to him again in that difficult time, and he says, Hosea, here is the plan. Go and find your wife. Marry her again. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and she is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods. Because at the time, Israel is, is going astray. They've got to a place where they're, they're believing that love can be purchased. That love is all about the pursuit of self-gratification. That love is found in inanimate objects. And this sounds quite similar to perhaps the world we live in today. But God's love pierces through the culture that's got it so wrong. And God says, I will demonstrate to my people what love really is. So Hosea obeys and he goes to look for his wife in some dodgy places. We have a well-known prophet going into the red light district to ask for his wife. And he walks in on an auction where his wife is for sale. And he pays the price to get his wife back. Fifteen pieces of silver and five bushels of barley. And we know that the number 15 is often in the Bible, speaking of the the divine energy between God and man. And the number five is all about grace often. The silver is a picture of divinity and the bushels humanity. This, I think, is just an amazing acting out of the gospel, of what is to come, where we are the church, are the bride of Christ. And though we get it so wrong so often, 
Jesus in his blood spilt on the cross paid the price for us. Hosea paid for what was already his. And in Psalm 24, we know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In the same way, God purchased us, even though we are already his. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I wonder if the band could uh, make their way back up um, and help us, help us as we begin to respond. I want to su- suggest th- three ways uh, you may want to just uh, respond to this. The first, I wonder, are you, are you here tonight? Do you need to be born again? Maybe you've never accepted God's love before. Maybe you just need to come and look up to Jesus on the cross for salvation. Could be that you've been a Christian for many years, but you feel you need to be born again tonight. Secondly, do you need to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit today? That's available here. We can, we can pray with you. We'd love to do that. Or thirdly, are you perhaps uh, feeling prompted to, to be that vehicle to take God's message out to the world? Perhaps to someone specific, someone that you know you will meet this week. Is God just prompting you there? Perhaps it's someone quite unlikely. Maybe you've thought in the past, God's not for them. He so loves the whole world. I'm going to pray. Um, shall we stand? Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing. And then Lauren will help us to, to respond more later. Lord Jesus, thank you for, uh, thank you for your, your teaching here. Thank you for what we can learn from it. And, uh, yeah, we want to go, go deeper with you. We pray um, tonight that we may, we may have that encounter with you and we would uh, be bold to respond in whatever way uh, you would have us respond. Amen.